0: Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Rather appropriate that the epistle lesson for today, which speaks of baptism, should occur on a weekend where we had 20 inches of rain or so in the area, water, water, everywhere. Yes. We are awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. So I, I hope that it's starting to sink in. Y- your heart is what drives your thoughts, your words, your actions, your attitudes, every generation from cradle to grave, hearing and believing the good news, that life, real life, the life that you have always wanted starts right now, and it never ends through faith in Jesus. That faith connects you to the very power of God who created and sustains the universe. That's our mission. And all of that's well and good, I suppose. But the question to be answered over the next four weeks of this sermon series is, how will we know whether we are accomplishing our mission? In other words, what does a heart awakened in every generation to the power of life in Christ look like? And today we take up the first of what we would call life marks, the life marks of a faithful follower of Jesus. You can think of them perhaps as, as the bullseye on our mission target And the first one to consider today is the life of freedom. And so, once again, we find ourselves in the powerful New Testament book of Romans. And so, like I did with you last week, I simply want to ask this text two questions. What is true freedom? And how can you and I more and more consistently live it out in our everyday lives? So Paul begins with questions. What shall we say then? Are are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? Look, in chapters 1 through 5, Paul has set forth the claim of Christianity. Here's what he says in a nutshell. Human beings are saved. They are rescued from this broken mess of a world by God's unlimited, undeserved love. The Bible calls that grace, and we receive that grace through faith, and faith is believing and trusting in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is a free gift. You cannot and you have not earned it by your merit, by your goodness, or by anything at all in you. That's the gospel. That's the good news of this real life. And the minute you hear it, you immediately and inevitably, at least when you first hear it, you start to think, now wait, 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 just a minute. Because if that's true, if salvation, if real life is surely by grace and it's nothing to do with how you live, then why? Why not live any way you want? Why should anybody try to change or or even want to change for that matter? Now that's because we live in a broken and fallen world, and we have fallen, sinful, broken hearts. That believe a lie and the lie is this that true freedom is the absence of all restrictions that true freedom we instinctively because of our fallen nature believe is the ability to do whatever I want whenever I want with whomever I want without any consequences now, I've used this following illustration several times before, so I hope it is familiar to you as soon as I start speaking it. I don't actually remember the first time that I heard it, but what I do remember is that it captured my thinking and made so much sense to me that I have used it again and again. And so it's that story about a little boy named Johnny. Johnny. Who went out to play one day, and he went up the street to his friend's house, who had just gotten a new puppy. And and you know how puppies are. So playful, so much fun. And and Johnny wanted one. And then he went to another friend's house, and that friend had just gotten a baby kitten. And wow, I mean, kittens are so amazing. And, And so Johnny came home and said to his mother, I have to have a pet. But there's a problem, you see, because Johnny is allergic to fur-bearing animals, and so his mom, being the brilliant problem solver that all mothers are, took him to the pet store and brought home everything that was needed to set up a beautiful aquarium in Johnny's room. And then just a few minutes after everything had been set up and the fish were swimming around in his aquarium, Johnny came down the stairs looking very, very sad. And his mother asked him, what's the matter, Johnny? Don't you like your new pets? And Johnny mournfully replied, well, Mom, at first they were so much fun. They were flipping and flopping all over my bedroom floor. But now they're just lying there doing nothing. Now, the question is this. Were the fish more alive when they were confined within the boundaries of their aquarium or when they were free from all restrictions out on the bedroom floor? And surely the answer is obvious. And so the conclusion we draw is that true freedom is not the absence of all restrictions, but rather it is obedience to the right restrictions, to the boundaries for which we were created. In our Old Testament passage for today, God said to the people of Israel who had just been rescued from slavery in Egypt, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Do I have my slides out of order? What's the next one? Hmm. I thought I had a diagram in there. Did we skip over that one? There it is. What follows in Exodus chapter 20 are nine more commandments depicted in the picture as the boundaries for which we were created, the restrictions within which human beings were created that we might experience the very best life possible on this side of heaven in a broken, fallen, and sinful world. Now, please note this carefully, that God did not send Moses down to Egypt with the Ten Commandments and say to his people, if you keep these perfectly or at least to the best of your ability, then I will rescue you. No, first he rescued them purely and solely by his grace, his unlimited, undeserved love, and then he gave them the commandments to teach them how human beings were designed by him, by their creator, to live. Inside the boundaries is true freedom. Outside the boundaries is a kind of slavery that leads inevitably to death. Now listen, there are only two kinds of people in the world. There are people who obey God, who live within the boundaries for which we were created, and there are people who are spiritual slaves to something else. If you do not worship the true God you will make something else your God. There are no human beings on this planet without a God. What does that mean? Well, it just means that everybody has to live for something everybody has something that is their main way of seeking significance of seeking happiness and security everybody believes that there is something that if only they had that thing life would then be worth living now that could be a career or family or achievement it could be personal independence Or it might be the need to have people be dependent on you. It could be power. It could be influence or human approval. It could be a political cause. It could be money. It could be romance. It could be physical attractiveness. But here's what we seem to be ignorant of. That whatever that is, that is, that is your master that is your God that's what owns you that's what controls you I mean you may think you control it when really you are under its control now would you like to know how you can tell if you're really serving God or if you're serving something else that has taken over your life and is in control Well, here's three little tests that you can check on a regular basis. Check your anger, check your fear, and check your sadness. Check your anger. Look, if something keeps you from achieving a good thing, let's say a promotion at work, and it was really, truly unfair, anger is an appropriate response but if achieving that promotion is the ultimate thing if it's the thing on which you were counting in order to feel happy and secure you're going to blow up you're going to come undone you will freak out check your fear if something good in your life is threatened you may worry Or as I'm fond of saying, since we're told not to to worry, so we're just concerned. We're really, really concerned. But if something that you've based your happiness or your security on is threatened, you become paralyzed with fear. You, You absolutely fall apart. You can't control your anxiety. You can't even think straight. Check your sadness. Because if you lose something good, you grieve. You weep. It's terrible. It may take months to get over it. But if you lose something ultimate, something that you have based your happiness and your security on it, you want to throw yourself off a bridge. There's no meaning left in life. If you obsess over your health and wellness, for example, All that means is that you've offered yourself over to the God of looking and feeling a certain way that at at some deep level, your heart says, when I weigh X or I can wear size Y, then I'll feel happy. Then I'll feel good about myself. If you're a workaholic, if you overwork and you know you overwork, look, you've made a deal either with the God of money or the God of status or the God of achievement, If you're continuously looking for love in all of the wrong places, then you've offered yourself up to the God of romance and relationships. True freedom is not the absence of all restrictions. It is obedience to, it is living within the right restrictions, the right boundaries for which you were created. Though if true freedom is to fear, love, and trust in God above all things, how can you and I do that more and more consistently in everyday life? Now, the answer is simple but challenging and yet rewarding. We struggle some with these verses because we have sometimes been guilty of turning baptism into a little church ditty that we do for our babies by sprinkling a little water on their heads and then forgetting about it. And it is why some Christians have thrown off baptizing infants and insist that baptism must be something that you consciously, seriously, willfully do to demonstrate to God that you are all in, that you are completely committed. Probably won't surprise you, but I don't think that you have to throw the baby out with the baptism water. What we need is to have our hearts continuously awakened to the miraculous power of baptism that is described in these verses. Now, I have tried over the years to capture your imagination by comparing the Bible's teaching and baptism in this verse to the idea of time travel that you would think of the baptismal font as God's time machine, that in the water, God, by his Holy Spirit, comes to you and he whisks you back through time to the cross where you are supernaturally connected to Jesus' death. His death becomes your death in your baptism. Now, how can you live the life of freedom more and more consistently? Every time that you see, taste, touch, hear, or smell water, and we've got a lot of it around right now, remember that you have died to every other thing that falsely promises to give you happiness and security. Your your past is completely forgiven. As I heard one preacher put it, it doesn't matter if you're the gatekeeper at hell. Jesus' death on the cross washes you clean. And it happens, people, over and over again every time you remember your baptism. Look, and it's not just your past that is forgiven, but your future is made secure. Not only have you died and been buried with Jesus, but you've also been raised from the dead so that you can now walk in newness of life. Now, the word united in this verse is a word that means grafted into, like the gospel lesson that you heard this morning. Jesus is the vine, you are the branches. You have been grafted into his death, sins forgiven. And look what it says, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, do you see the word certainly? Because it doesn't say conditionally. Now, if you live really, really good lives and you come to church and to St. Luke's and you take notes on all of the sermons, you certainly will. It doesn't say that. It says you certainly, period. Now, that, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. That if you are grafted into Jesus' resurrection, people, that means that the new resurrected life is already pulsating through your veins. The power of the future, the power of that absolute ultimate life-giving power that is going to regenerate the entire universe comes into your life and begins to work now. It's simple. Remember your baptism. But it's challenging. Because it doesn't just happen automatically, does it? It takes persistence, it takes conscious daily effort. People, you have got to learn to start talking to yourself. I am who God says I am, dearly loved and forgiven and raised to new life. And not just persistence, it also takes a partnership. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a powerful little book entitled Life Together, says that the real power of change does not often happen in the corporate confession of sins that we do here, as important as that is. He says that real change begins when you confess your sins to a fellow follower of Jesus, when you let someone into your life to see what's really happening. So you want to do something scary this week? Ask a trusted friend, a trusted fellow follower of Jesus, to hear what it is that you have been trusting in lately for your happiness and your security and ask them to speak your forgiveness and then hold you accountable to change. The life of freedom is simple, but it is challenging and yet it's rewarding. It takes persistence, it takes a partnership, and finally it takes patience. Because when you see Jesus dying for you and rising again for you, it does. It awakens your heart to the power of life in him so that you can trust him, so that you can give yourself fully to him every day. Give yourself to Jesus, to the one who gave up everything to set you free, to live the real life, the life that you have always wanted. Hearts awakened to the power of life in Christ is the life of true freedom. To live without fear, to live boldly and courageously the best life possible on this side of heaven. Amen. Now, the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in this true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.